I'm Jason Ariola, and this is Rock Out with Your Card Out. say about a month, and to kind of, let me see, let's say, get us back in the groove here, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this by myself, because it could just be weird, and me sitting here, and just, wah, 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 I'm sorry, wah, 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 I'm tired, wah, 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 this is why the show hasn't happened in a month, so, to kind of ease me back into this, I decided I'm going to wrangle in a guest, and my guest this week is Kimmick Zeal, who I, I want to say I found on Bandcamp for a reason I cannot tell you why. Um, anyway, hi, Kimmick. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. So, um, I, I, honestly, I, that is the 100% truth. I have no idea how I stumbled across your stuff on Bandcamp. I really have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> uh, you know what? Me too, because this has turned into like, oh, you know, you and I are like almost like long-lost siblings in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weird, similar like upbringings and like video game interests and music interests. It's like, oh, this is this is this is nice. Yeah. It's been this weird kind of just going from a oh, I'm a fan to oh, kind of what kind of pals now? This is cool. Yeah, switch buddies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter pals, everything. It all kind of worked out. Yeah. So, um, so you've been doing this for how long now? Uh, since about April, <laughs> halfway through April, I, I think. Yeah. So. so basically what we're getting at here is I got you real early, so before you get big and will want nothing to do with my <laughs> podcast because I'm too small, I figured, let's get you on here. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope I'm never like that. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say you'd be too too busy for my podcast. How's that? <laughs> Sounds nicer. <laughs> there we go. Let's just do that. So, um, so you kind of work in Game Boy music specifically. I, I got to ask, what really made you decide to do Game Boy music? Like, what was it that you're like, this is what I want to do is Game Boy music, not NES, not, I mean, I, I realize the Sega Genesis is a lot more complicated of a machine, but you know, what, what was it that specifically made you kind of center in on the Game Boy? Well, actually back in April, I saw Chiptune perform live for the first time ever. Um, I know like several years back, like way back in school, um, when I think it's more when like Super Meat Boy came out and that that got me really into game development and stuff. And I, I took a look at LSCJ and maybe made like one crappy song and that was kind of it. That was, you know, ages ago. And then in April there, I went and saw a show and this guy was actually, he was on stage with a little Game Boy and he was just pumping this dance music and it was crazy. So I thought, well, this is something that I have to do. And so I went home, <laughs> dug out my LSDJ code because I still had the email from like 10 years ago and uh, just, you know, decided to really actually figure out how it works and start making some stuff and see where it goes. And it's been going pretty well so far, I'd say. So. <laughs> 
Now, Kimmy, for the completely uninitiated, you, you maybe explain what that is, because of course I know what it is, but you know, please explain for our audience that might not have a clue as to what the LSDJ thing is, because secretly I don't know what it is either, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of hard to explain, really. Like, I... I can make it work, but I don't totally understand it either, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Um, so I did an interview recently for an, um, kind of an online uh, magazine or blog, I guess. Yes, that's what an internet magazine is called. It's a blog. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was trying to explain it there. And I, I think the best way to kind of explain it um, is to think of it kind of like a player piano. Because you have somebody who, I don't know, exactly how player pianos work but somehow they kind of figure out all the notes and they put them in the right order and then you just get the piano to play and it goes and it plays them all you know the right notes in the right places at the right time and that's kind of how lsgj works because it's a tracker so you go and you just kind of program in the notes and then you hit play Mm -hmm. and then it puts it all together so it's I'm bad at explaining it, but that's kind no, of no. I do there. That you know what that that made a lot of sense. So it's effectively just kind of like a program that allows you to compose Game Boy music, but not crazy in depth. Just sort of like, hey, here's what I've got in mind, and then it sort of adjusts it for you. Well, because you have four different channels, so you okay. you have two pulse channels and, and each one corresponds to the sound chips in the Game Boy. So you've got the two pulse channels which you usually use for a melody and then a bass or some kind of rhythm or something um, mm-hmm. and then you've got your noise channel which is all your percussion and cool little sounds and stuff and then the wave channel is sort of crazy. You can do pretty much whatever you want with it. Um, that's where you get like some really weird sounds um, but basically you go in and you make chains of phrases each phrase you'll have like 16 steps which you can think of um like one bar of four four time music Mm -hmm. and you just put the notes where you want you can say oh i want to play an a3 so it's like a is the note in the third octave and then you say from a3 to you know g3 and then e3 or whatever and then it will play them where you want and then you've got your four channels you do that and then when you play them all together then you kind of hear all the parts coming together and that's really cool so and it's something, based on kind of our conversation before we actually started recording, it sounds like something, you know, pretty much, if you even just have a inkling of what music should sound like, you can probably mess with this and come up with something on your own without really any, like, hardcore, like, training or anything. Um, I mean, that's what I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did, uh, I was in band for school, so I played flute, and then I ended up doing, like, trumpet and drums and jazz, and um, I did piano lessons as a kid. So I can kind of adequately play a few different <laughs> instruments. But as far as theory is concerned, I don't know a whole lot, kind of like I was talking about earlier. But I started looking into actually like scales and chords and what exactly all this stuff is. That was only like Mm -hmm. earlier this month or, you know, around Christmas. I was actually like, okay, I should probably learn some music theory now. Um, (laughs) The thing with LSDJ, I think, compared to um, like working with MIDI or like GarageBand or other things like that, is those are more visual. So you have... Uh, like a little block showing the note and then you can draw like Mm -hmm. another block and you can make it longer and then the note will be longer or you can put it higher or lower and then that'll you know so you have a visual kind of of what it will sound like whereas with lsdj if you look at it it's just a bunch of like numbers and letters and it's it takes some getting used to but once you figure out what it means then you know you can just have at her i guess (laughs) 
Okay. So basically, like, it, it might seem a little strange at first, but the more you practice with it, it's going to start making sense. And then you can kind of develop a little bit of competency with it just through practice. Yeah. That's, that's, cool. that's what I would say. Because I didn't know what the heck I was doing at first. <laughs> just play a note. Nope, that one sounds bad. So just put a different note and hope it sounds better and, you know, rinse <laughs> and repeat until you have something that you like. <laughs> So let me ask you, like, your first time coming up with something, what was that process like? And was there, I don't want to say like a moment that clicked finally that you were like, oh, yeah, okay, wait, hold on. This is what I want this to sound like, and this is how I do this. Was there, like, a, a song that you've you've got available out right now or something that you were just like, okay, this was a good skeleton kind of framework thing, and now I kind of get what I need to do, and I'll go from that? Um, I think of it more with uh like the albums that i put out so my first album a land of tales yet to be told that one was me kind of figuring stuff out and the funny thing is it's not like i made a whole bunch of songs and then thought okay i know what i'm doing now i'm gonna make an album like that album is pretty much six of the very first songs i made and the other ones i was working on at the same time those went on the second album (laughs) so those are those are largely like my practice songs um, zero zero, which is a single that I have out that I actually released kind of between my first and second albums. That was the first song that I started working on back in April. Um, and I had like a drum beat and I had a bass line and I thought that had a pretty good groove to it, but then I could not for the life of me figure out what to do with it. I didn't have a melody or anything. I just, just had this kind of groove and that was it. And then once I finished the first album, I came back to it and finished it and I actually I really like how it came out, and that one's actually free on Bandcamp if anyone wants to go listen to it or or whatever. Um, I'm going to go ahead and highly recommend it. Um, we kind of went over this thing, uh, you know, prior to the show starting. I gave you a few of my favorites, and Zero Zero is definitely up there. That is, I I really enjoy that. Well, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more towards the end of the show, mm-hmm. but I, I do want to say like that is that is definitely one of my favorite pieces of yours, and I got to say I'm just like completely envious of the fact that. Like, your first album, that was a practice album, and I'm like, what the... Like, I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, what in the hell? This is your first stab at this? It's like, oh, great, I feel inadequate. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> well, I don't want you to feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, because, like I said, I don't really have a lot in the way of, like, music theory training and stuff, but mm-hmm. I just know when something sounds good to me, and I, I listen to a lot of uh, chiptune and video game music, and... I grew up with a lot of, you know, like Pokemon and Mario and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess if it sounds like something that would be in one of the games that I would play on Game Boy as a kid, then then I know I'm doing something right. There you go. So. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel. Like I, we, we talked about this off the air. Like I would like to dabble in that stuff, and I don't think that not knowing much about music would. I don't want to say it wouldn't be a hindrance. Of course, it's going to be a little bit of a hindrance on my end, but I think I could suss something out and maybe get a little better at it. It would just take me uh, a substantial amount of time longer than I would say somebody who, like you said, uh, how did you describe it? Adequately play a few instruments? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's kind of like, I think you can definitely, like I wouldn't let a lack of training stop you because the thing is that's the way you you learn about it is from doing right i mean you can mm-hmm. even if you go and you dive into textbooks or you go take some classes or something like you have to kind of do it to to get it yeah and i mean 
I did start kind of looking into actual music theory and that because at first <laughs> um, when I started making my first couple of songs, I just remembered playing the piano and I thought, OK, if you hit two notes at the same time that are right next to each other, that usually sounds bad. So I just tried to, <laughs> to not do that. You know, if I <laughs> if I had like <laughs> if I had a B playing in, in my one pulse channel, I just made sure I didn't have a C playing in the second pulse channel. And that was that was my only rule I had kind of starting and then. You know, you just kind of figure figure it out as you go along. I guess if something sounds bad, you change it until it doesn't sound bad anymore. <laughs> so far, I feel like it's been a very successful experiment on your part. I don't really remember what it was that I listened to first of yours or what it was even that like made me just decide to just like scoop up your whole catalog, basically. <laughs> um, but you had put um, your catalog on sale um, on Bandcamp during the holidays, and I was just like, you know what the hell with it, I'm just going to buy all of these. Because <laughs> I hadn't listened to all of them, but the little bit I dipped into here and there of all of the albums, I was like, you know what, I, I, I like what I've heard enough that I'm like, yeah, just throw a few bucks, like, this is definitely worth it. <laughs> and the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is really good stuff. And then you put out your first, like, full-length album, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm buying this without a, without a question. There are there are a few people and few like artists that like they can just put out something and then I will just blindly buy it. <laughs> and I would definitely put you up there now at this point because everything you've bought or I've everything you've made that I've bought so far has been like really good. I love the Game Boy sound and we've talked, you know, you and I talked about this, um, you know, off the air, mm -hmm. but I love the, the way the Game Boy sounds and you just dabbling in that is just like, oh, this is this is perfect. I, I feel like the Game Boy is so underutilized and just not really appreciated. And I didn't learn too much about the Game Boy's, like, you know, that, like, Hip Tanaka had something to do with making the Game Boy sound the way it sounds. And that's why it sounds so good. And that I feel like it's just like this little, like, it's like the little thing that could, you know, it's just like, <laughs> man, this this little system that, you know, with like, you look at the screen and everything and it's kind of ugly and it's just like, you know, pea green and it's, it's, you know, not the most pleasant thing to look at these days, but the sound in a lot of these things is incredible. And I really kind of found that out digging into the games that came out like the first year of the Game Boy. And I was just like, man, there are some really competent people that put out some really solid music for this little system that you would think just couldn't sound as good as it does by any like stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, I think cause when the games came out, it was like, okay, we have this game and you know, we need some music to go with it. And then it kind of, from there, I guess it kind of became an art. And then people these days, I guess all this, you know, retro nostalgia, everything, everyone's kind of, dipping back to the eighties and the nineties for things and kind of seeing the art in it, you know, even things like Polaroid photos, you know, are very artistic and people like that kind of thing. <laughs> I am continually amazed that that has made any kind of comeback, but <laughs> I'm waiting for those like disposable uh, Kodak like cameras now to come back. Yeah. <laughs> With the Game Boy, like, I know a lot of people use um, like NES is a pretty big one and um, Sega Genesis as well, but um, for me, because I don't know a whole lot about music and I'm not super good with all the techie stuff, like even, um, like the technology side of music, I just got so lost. And at first I wasn't doing any kind of mixing or mastering or anything with my songs. Like, I think the first one, uh, where I actually did any kind of like post-production was probably Ghost in the Game Boy, maybe. Thank you. 
like my first few I wasn't doing anything. Everything was done in the Game Boy because mm-hmm. when you make your instruments, you can adjust like how loud they are compared to other instruments. And there's some tweaking you can do. And I was just relying entirely on that. And then at some point, somebody told me like, oh, you know, you should run a normalized filter. So I started doing that. But I mean, that's that's kind of it, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the nice thing with Game Boys for me, is just it's nice and simple. Um, I got the LSDJ ROM. And it's it's actually available for a donation. I think they suggest a five dollar U Rock price, um, but I don't think you <laughs> even need to pay five dollars for it. And then if you get you know, there's Game Boy emulators all over the place, and a lot of those are free. So you you know, that's another thing that kind of drew me to it is like, oh, for five bucks I can start making music, like you know, and that's pretty crazy. And the save files are super tiny, so it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did I find? It was like 128 kilobytes, and then that has like a dozen or so songs. <laughs> yeah, I was like, know. yeah, when, when he said that, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, no, teeny tiny. So that that's really nice because it, it's not intensive at all on, you know, you can run it on a laptop or whatever. I mean, it's a Game Boy game, right? <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I ended up buying a cartridge. Um, I spent more on the cartridge than anything else, really. <laughs> um, and then I got the ROM on the cartridge and that way I can just bring my Game Boy Pocket on the bus and I'll just be working on a song on there, you know. And I just like how simple it is and that was sort of part of my kind of motto kind of when I got started was just keep it simple, you know, because <laughs> I mm-hmm. I don't know how to do all the advanced stuff, but I don't think it's really necessary and part of the nice thing with the Game Boy is just that it is so basic and so simple, you know. It's kind of seeing uh, what all these different artists can do with such a limited kind of thing, right? Yeah, and just video games in general, the Game Boy was like my point of entry when I was a kid. We got an NES pretty shortly after the Game Boy, but the Game Boy was my first video game system back in, you know, 89 or 90. I forget when exactly we got it, but my grandma bought my brother and I one, and just that was sort of the thing that just got me forever hooked on video games. You know, I was like 89 or 90, I would have been, jeez, eight, nine years old. And, you know, I'm 37 now and, you know, I have multiple podcasts about video game stuff. I I write about video games. I listen to video game music all the time on my own just for the hell of it. I clearly I've got some problems, but, (laughs) but, you know, I, yeah, there we go. Yeah. We can call it passion or a problem. I mean, I, I prefer the passion thing, Go with that. (laughs) but you know, the Game Boy was sort of my, my entrance way into this. You know, I had a few friends who had an NES, um, but we moved out from New Jersey to New Mexico and, uh, you know, I, I, had no friends out here when we moved out here. And I think it was probably why my grandma ended up getting us gay boys was like, Oh, you know, you guys moved across country and it's starting fresh. It's like, let's get you something. So you at least have something to do basically. Mm -hmm. And it was just wonderful. Like that little system is, I have just such a nostalgia to it, such an attachment to it. And it's just, like I said, hearing the music that you make, it just, it makes me happy because it really does take me back to that time of being a kid and just having that game boy as I don't want to say my only friend because <laughs> that's because that's sad. But you know, it, it, it sort of uh, it just sort of takes me back to that place of like the Game Boy being my comfort food of like, hey, you know, like I went to school and I didn't really get to talk to anybody today, so I go home and I play you know Mario Land or I play Tetris for the four hundred and ninetieth time and still suck at it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's well, and that's kind of why I make it. Like with me, it was Game Boy Color, and so kind of maybe similar thing there, but um, a little bit later. 
Um, there was one year, well, I think my brother and I were begging for Game Boys probably for a year before we got them because we were obsessed <laughs> with the Pokemon TV show. And then Red and Blue came out, and I thought, oh, man, I need to get that. So <laughs> um, eventually I got a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Blue, and that's kind of where it started for me. I mean, um, I think my parents actually had an NES with Mario before they even hit me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, So I saw my dad play that a lot, but I was terrified of Bowser as a kid, so I didn't really play it. I just kind of watched. Um, that, that seems perfectly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> that 8-bit Bowser, is, he's pretty scary, and like the little noise he makes when he shoots the fire, that, you know, that, yep. it's, it's it, pretty scary it, when you're a kid. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, although actually I remember, um, there was one time I, I got brave and I was going to play it cause I would usually play the first three levels and mm-hmm. then I'd, I'd give my dad the controller, you know, when it came to the castle, <laughs> like your dad, your turn. <laughs> and then when you're done, you give it back to me and I'll go jump on mushrooms, you know? And, and that was, yeah. that was kind of what I did. But, um, there's those little places when you get close to the bridge, like right before Bowser, so you can see the fire coming on screen. There's those mm. little places you can just kind of jump down and just kind of hide there. And I, re- I remember there was one day I thought, okay, I'm going to fight Bowser. I'm going to do it. And I paused the game. And I said, Mom, Dad, come here. I'm going to fight Bowser. <laughs> and then they came into the living room, and I unpaused it, and I, I jumped up out of my little hiding spot. And then a little fire comes down. Oh, I can jump back down and hide there. And then I, I kept doing that, you know, and then, oh, I get to the next little hiding spot, and then Maybe I see Bowser and get scared and then jump back down and I end up timing out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is an adorable story. I love it. <laughs> so I did eventually beat him, though. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, Pokemon Blue was the main thing. And um, on, my, on that full album I made, To Become a Hero, that's kind of all about, you know, when I was a kid and playing Pokemon. And Pokemon Blue, that, that was like my life as a kid. And I got through it and I beat the Elite Four. And it was just such a feeling of accomplishment for a kid. You feel like you go on this adventure and, you know, you catch all your Pokemon and you, you beat the Pokemon League and you're the champion. And when you're a little kid, that just, you know, that feels awesome. So it, I kind of wanted to get that feeling of just you know, going on this adventure and doing things yourself. And you start off with like a level five squirtle, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then by the end you've got this, you know, crazy monster and you're like level 60 and you're fighting guys. And I don't know, just something about that. That that was the game that really made me feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. You know, and, and actually on the cover art, that's the, that's the Game Boy Color that I've had, you know, (laughs) since I was a kid there. Oh, really? Wow. (laughs) I, you know what? I, I think I grew up in an age where video game consoles seem disposable. We still, ha- I, I still have the NES that we grew up with as a kid, but like my Game Boy is long gone. My Game Boy Color is long gone. Um, you know, I even had a Game Boy Pocket and I have told this story on a couple other podcasts before that I've done, but it, it, you, you haven't heard this one. So I'll tell you, uh, I was in high school when uh, Red and Blue came out and the high school I went to is, let's say a little rough. Um, not the uh, the neighboring high school to the one I went to. There, it came out that we were more violent than them, <laughs> and it was celebrated that oh yeah, we beat Rio Grande at something because <laughs> <laughs> our sports team sucked for the most part, and that was about the only thing we could be proud of. Is like oh hey, we're number one at this, and I'm like oh my god. So I I jokingly say the bravest thing I have ever done in my life is take my Game Boy Pocket to school and play Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty and great. not <laughs> and not get stuffed in a locker on a daily basis. You know, it's just like, how did I survive and not get killed at that school? Uh, also, you know, I guess I did have a little musical thing because I, I I was in choir there too, and I lettered in choir, which ridiculous, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, but yeah, uh, yeah. I I should have just been beating myself up as I walked into school every day. <laughs> well, I'll save you guys the effort. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think I ever brought my Game Boy to school. If my parents wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> I was in I was in high school, so at that point it was kind of like ah oh, whatever. But I, I you know like a lot of these systems for me were disposable, and I got rid of them, and. I, I feel like a lot of that now, like a lot of my problems with buying video games and just hanging on to them, even when I'm done with them now is, oh, well, you know, I had this game when I was a kid and I got rid of it. And now it's like, you know, hundreds of dollars. Um, I'm looking at you panic or panic restaurant. I think it was, it's just like, I, I had that game as a kid and I got rid of it, probably sold it for like 10 bucks and it goes for hundreds of dollars now. I just, <laughs> so now I'm just like, I live in this eternal fear of, getting rid of something and then like, you know, 10 years later, it's worth a small fortune. Yeah. And then, and then you want to play it and you can't get your hands on a copy. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully there is uh, you know, thankfully all these things are easily emulatable these days, but still it's just like, Oh, I, I could have, I could have had this thing still. Like, yeah. um, you might be too young to remember there was, um, like when the NES sort of hit its, like, I guess like cool retro era thing in the maybe early two thousands, GameStop was selling, you know, just, dozens and dozens of NES cards and they just had them in dump bins basically. And they were the local GameStop I would go to, they were buy two, get one free. And I would literally, I had just started working, you know, I had no bills. I had just, you know, my paycheck was just disposable income basically. And I would just go and spend like 80, a hundred dollars a week on NES games. <laughs> and it, you know, it got so bad where I was like buying multiples without realizing it. Like I, I, I finally got rid of it, but I had two copies of the NES little mermaid game. So <laughs> <laughs> but I had got a copy of Little Samson, one of the most expensive NES games, uh, for had to be like eight or nine dollars or something ridiculous like Aww. that. So that's one I've hung on to. But like a lot of my systems over the, you know, like my portable systems, I've kind of gotten rid of them. I finally stopped doing that with like the DS or no, it was the Game Boy Advance because my first Game Boy Advance, I had the the launch one, you know, the not backlit, have to play outside or under a light basically mm -hmm. to be able to see anything. And then I bought an SP, I bought the one with the NES, like, look to it, and yeah. I, I've hung on to basically everything since then, and it's much to my wife's chagrin that she can't get me to get rid of anything. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've always held on to all my stuff, too, so I have my Game Boy Color, I have my Game Boy Advance, um, and then from there, I think I went straight to a DS Lite, but then I ended up going back later. Like, I think I've got probably a dozen of the original gray uh, Game Boy <laughs> around here. Some of them are you know, get them broken online or something and try to fix them up or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, got got a bit of that's a collection really cool. going now. So that's really, that's really cool. I, I have tried to, I, I've had to talk myself out of like buying an old Game Boy. I'm like, Jason, what, what are you going to do with an old Game Boy? Like you literally don't play what you have most of the time. Like, what are you going to do with an old Game Boy? And you know, I, I like I said, I have that, I have that SP. I've got a little like, um, like, Mm, it effectively looks like a DS or a 3DS, but it's a little Android-based um, system that's capable of emulating stuff, and I use that a lot as my little portable emulator. 
and I'm like, I, I basically have a Game Boy with save states. Why, why, why would I want to go back and actually play some of these games without save states? Like, I couldn't possibly. And then, you know, the, the 3DS Virtual Console, I, you know, have a ton of those Game Boy games on there that I wanted. And it's just like, why, why am I going to add another thing? Because I think I have, like, three DS lights because I love the DS Lite. <laughs> and I just bought multiple colors of it because eventually, you know, these things are going to crap out. So I'm like, well, when this one dies, I'll have this one. So <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty great system. Yeah, that screen is beautiful. It's really nice, and it's so it it fits in your pocket pretty nice. I think these days phones are pretty much bigger than some of the older game systems. Like I've got, you know, my Game Boy Pocket in one hand and my iPhone in the other hand, and they're you know pretty much the same size. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Like you think like the Game Boy Pocket at some point you're like, oh, this is tiny, and you're like, this is actually pretty big, and then you hold up your phone, you're like, oh, my phone's as big as Jeez Louise. It's like wasn't the whole idea of like minimizing these things not making them gigantic basically yeah it's kind of weird because i know when they made the ipad mini shortly after that i think they introduced like the larger line of phones and i thought well they're almost the same size (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the old uh the old game boy though the dmg or the great brick as we Mm -hmm. so affectionately like to call it that that (laughs) one's still a beast and i mean four double a batteries you know like probably doubles the weight of it <laughs> so that one's not very portable but <laughs> so don't go back and tell my uh you know my nine-year-old self that i i will i, I would strongly disagree with you because i took that thing everywhere whether whether i was allowed to or not i snuck that everywhere i could no well it's fair well and they're pretty sturdy too actually i remember seeing there was an article in a nintendo power i think there was um a soldier who took one of them overseas mm-hmm. and it actually got blown up and it survived. <laughs> like it was kind it, of melted, <laughs> but yeah. you know, you turn it on and bing, and it was all good to go. <laughs> if I'm recalling correctly, I believe it's that, that exact one is actually at the Nintendo world store in New York right now. Actually, I, like it's basically just there. Yeah. Like a, like a Nintendo museum type of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. And it, it still works to this day. It's like, the thing is how old? I mean, that thing's, what, 30 years old at this point? Mm-hmm. Something. And it <laughs> still works after taking, like, a grenade or something. It's like, what the hell did Nintendo make these things out of? Yeah, don't, they don't make them like that anymore, that's for sure. No, nobody makes anything like that anymore. I mean, I, I, I could drop my phone from, like, you know, a quarter inch without, a, you know, this heavy-ass protector case thing on it. Like, And it's it's gone. It's toast. Yeah. You know, your Game Boy survive a grenade in in the middle of a you know war zone and it's like nah i'm good just you know you might be a little melted and the buttons might not be as comfortable anymore but i'll, I'll still turn on and stuff it's cool yeah <laughs> might have to replace the screen but that that would be the i don't i don't think i actually saw what the screen on that one looks like if it still works properly or not but <laughs> i think it's a little discolored but i it still worked which right. uh, again astounding that that works at all you would think uh, you know, against any rhyme or reason, that thing is just toast. Because, again, you think, oh, you know, I dropped X downstairs and it's trash. It's like this thing survived, uh, you know, getting blown up. And it's like, nah, I'm, co- I'm, I'm cool. Like I said, I'm a little melted. I'm not pretty to look at anymore. But I got you. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, you could, like, throw one of the old Game Boys down the stairs and you'd just have to fix the dent in the floor pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they, again, they, they were they were a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hence their sturdiness. Yeah. You know, I did have a, a, a GameCube that... Um, fell twice. Uh, once I was moving and it came and the bottom of the box it was in gave out and it was at the bottom of the box and a bunch of other stuff fell on top of it. And I was like, Oh cool. Well, that game keeps trash. Nope. Survived. <laughs> and, um, I drunkenly one day took the, my GameCube up a flight of stairs, um, at my friend's house 
And I dropped it, and it fell down, like, you know, a full flight of stairs, just watching it bounce, 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 bounce. I'm like, that GameCube is trash. Nope, still works. Still works to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how it survived that. Now, uh, you know, and I jokingly said, you know, you, you, like, farted too hard next to an Xbox 360, and it would destroy your disc. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's like, uh, oh, 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 man, they're going to my game. Damn it. Okay, cool. Great. Sorry. Oh, you're going to Red Ring while you're at it, too. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I remember the Red Rings. (laughs) No, I, I worked at GameStop at the time during that. Don't, I, that, I, I have PTSD from that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Was, that was not a fun time. My 360, get in line. There's a line over there specifically for broken 360s. Okay, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh. Growing up, like, what kind of games did you play for the Game Boy? I mean, you mentioned Pokemon. Was there anything else, like, specifically that you kind of were, like, into? I mean, it was mostly the Pokemon games. Like, you know, I got blue. Somehow I ended up with blue and red, and my brother got yellow, which makes even less sense because I was the Pikachu fanatic, but whatever. You know, but then I, you know, I got silver, and he got gold, and I got diamond, and he got pearl, and, like, we kind of... I'm even now he's got shield, and I have sword, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But as far as other games go, I mean, I... I did play, I'm trying to think what else I had. There's Pokemon Puzzle League, which is also a Pokemon game. Um, <laughs> Oracle of Seasons, the Zelda game, that was that was pretty much the only Zelda game I played for the longest time. And that overworld theme will stay with me forever as like the Zelda theme song, whether, you know, whether that's the official one or not.
ended up getting the, they call it Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, I think, which was basically a remake of that original NES one. Um, right, that was, uh, that was for the color, right? Yeah, that was on Game Boy Color, and you could actually save your game, so I... You know, I did beat Bowser. I don't think I ever beat the game, though, because World 8-3 was, like, super-duper long, and I just uh, I couldn't get through it in time. <laughs> but, you know, let me tell you, your uh, your experience with Bowser, that was mine with the Hammer Brothers. Oh I gosh. have that to this day. I see the Hammer Brothers, and my, my, my palms get sweaty. I get nervous. I think I develop a little bit of a twitch in my right eye. <laughs> Those guys are scary, too. Yeah, it's that, that one, I that took a while before I could, you know fight those guys i think i mostly would just try to run under them and then get hit by a hammer and have to start over <laughs> yeah see i don't know what it is about the nes one specifically but the way they just the just the way the hammers looked and how many of them it seemed like were flying around yeah. it was just like this is an impo- it feels like a what are they called like the the kaizo or kaizu yeah, levels yeah. or whatever yeah, just the <laughs> impossible mario things and it's just like you know i look at it now i'm like it's not that complicated but like even to this day, I look at like anytime the Hammer Brothers come up in any Mario game, I'm just like, shit, this is it, I'm done. <laughs> well, I mean the the 3D ones almost, you know, they look so much friendlier nowadays. But the old ones, like those hammers, they looked on, they had a bit of an axe kind of look to them, like you know, yeah. <laughs> so they they're pretty scary, and they always gave you two of them, right? Uh-huh. Two of them at a time, yeah. and then when one of them jumps up, the other one jumps down, and you're like, "Oh man, that's the path I was going to take, and now you're in my way, and your buddy's over there, and I just, you know." So they were pretty bad, and, and I'm dead. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, any Kirby games? I was just trying to think of that. Um, I didn't actually. I think my my dad actually found was it Nightmare in Dreamland? Was that the advanced one? I guess. Yes, found yeah. one in a parking lot or something. So, and again, with, you know, Game Boy stuff being pretty much indestructible, you know, it was pretty much fine. Took it home, you know, <laughs> blew the dust and sand and stuff out of it, and it, it was good to go. So I, I played a little bit of that one. Um, I could never figure out how to save the game in that one. I, I'm still not sure if you actually could save the game or not, because I know a lot of the hmm. older games, like, you would just kind of go through them and that was it. But it was Game Boy Advance, yeah. so... I don't know. Maybe I wasn't getting far enough. Maybe it got run over and didn't save anymore. <laughs> but I played a little bit of that one, and I've since gone back and, you know, added a little bit more, you know, NES and other stuff to my collection. Like, we picked up... We didn't have Tetris growing up, which is crazy. I think I played it on computer or something for the first time. But I ended up oh, wow. you know, okay. picking up that and Yoshi's Cookie and Dr. Mario. Those ones I got probably, like, 10 years ago. So... But, um, yeah, as far as Game Boy goes, it was largely Pokemon, some Zelda, going back to Game Boy Advance again. But I played a lot of Golden Sun. That was a really good game. Really good battle music.
I was going through my games recently, and it's pretty much just like all the Pokemon ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And see, I, 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 we had talked about this before, um, but I went through this phase of like Pokemon. I, I started with Blue. I got Red for myself, and I, I still had my old Game Boy at the time, so I finished Red. And I transferred the Pokemon I needed or traded the Pokemon I needed to blue, so I had a complete Pokedex. I imported yellow, played it in Japanese, it came out in America, I played it again in America or you know, in, in English. And after that, like basically I played a Pokemon Snap and I did not touch a single like Pokemon game until Diamond and Pearl came out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just burned myself out so, so hard on Pokemon, but then I came back to it and I was like, I had hip surgery a few years ago, and while I was laid up, for whatever reason, I, ha- I had been buying all the Pokemon games. I think it was because I worked at GameStop and they would come in used, and I would check like the monsters that they had in them, and I was like, ooh, I'm keeping those. <laughs> and I would just buy them used, and when people would come trade them in, since I was the only person that was into like Pokemon in the least, I would just trade out the Pokemon that they had in their games, put them in mine, and just be like, okay, cool, I'm keeping these, and I just had those forever, and eventually I ended up like throwing up to um, to X and Y, and it wasn't until, like, for whatever reason, maybe it was because Pokemon Go came out when that happened, but um, I I started getting hard into Pokemon, I started playing X and Y, and I was or X, and I was like, this is really good, and the more I played it, I was like, I think I like Pokemon again. <laughs> and I just, I went through this mad, mad phase of going through all of the old DS ones and pulling all of those Pokemon forward. And I had a complete living Pokedex, every single one of the Pokemon up to that point. And it, yeah, it, just before sun and moon came out, I had a complete Pokemon or, uh, you know, living Pokedex of like all 700 and <laughs> whatever it was at the time. And I was just like, I spent months doing that. And I, I don't want to say I kind of regret it because I'm like, what in the hell was I thinking? I mean, what, what's the point? <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I sort of like just kind of mainline back on a Pokemon and I've just been hooked since. Um, yeah. They're, they're like that. <laughs> you, you can be out of them. When you're out of them, you're out of them. Like when you don't feel like playing Pokemon, you're like, I don't want to play Pokemon right now. I don't want to see any of them. I don't want to, you know. And now there's like mm-hmm. 800 of them or something. Like, you know, they're yeah, the thing is each teetering time, on nine. Is it 900 now? It's teetering on it. It's getting real close to 900. Because <laughs> the thing is, you, like, the first game is 150, and you're like, okay, that's cool. And you got a few that you have to trade from the other version. You're like, okay, this is manageable. But each time they make a new gen, they have, like, 100 more, 200 more, whatever. And then mm-hmm. eventually it's like, okay, I've got to catch, you know, almost 900 of these things. And I don't know, I found with um, the latest ones, it's like, I don't know how any of these guys evolve anymore. <laughs> like, I remember in... Um, Whichever one it was where they introduced Inkay, like that little squid guy, and mm-hmm. you had to actually turn your DS upside down for him to evolve. And I'm, I'm like, how do you, how do you actually figure that out? Like you're, you know, lying upside down on yeah. the couch and you happen to hit whatever level it was and it evolves. <laughs> like, how, how do you know that? You know, and it's like, yeah. And, and what made you put it together? That's what it was. Well, I think. I, I think my brother told me. I, I don't know if he was lying upside down on the couch or if he looked it up or what. But yeah. I mean, even this one, it's like, oh, this one's a stone. And, and they changed the way the Eevees evolve because with um, like there was the special places where you had to bring them to get Leafeon and Glaceon. Right. And now they're like, oh, it's just mm. a leaf stone, a nice stone. It's like, oh, yeah. OK. And then they've got yeah, that makes that a lot like, easier. you know, all these different ones. And I was it 
your mask or something in the new one it has all this silly like it has to be missing a certain amount of hp and you have to have it in a certain place and it's like what you're not gonna stumble on that the old ones you'd see like um you know you'd go in a building and there's a couple kids and they're playing their game boy and it's like my friend traded me a haunter but i got a gengar what and then you're like oh okay you know or or they'll give you little hints and stuff but i think now there's so many you have to look it up or you're you know you're gonna be trying to figure it out for a while how to get them all yeah i kind of live on bulbapedia and uh sarah <laughs> B. B, it's yeah. just like i yeah I, it, it's so bad that you know in the like the safari thing on your phone on the most frequently viewed sites there's my site and then bulbapedia right after that <laughs> Actually, Bubblepedia might be in front of it right now that I'm thinking about it. Ew, that's bad that I go to Bubblepedia more than my own damn site. That's okay. That's very true. Especially right now, I am trying to complete um, the Living Pokédex for uh, Sword and Shield before um, the expansion thing hits. I already bought the expansion thing because, yeah, I, I just give me more Pokémon. That's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but I figured 400 is manageable. Once we start getting to 600, it's like I'm just going to import my Pokémon from Pokémon Bank. I'm not. I'm not catching them all or whatever in this area i'm not i'm not doing that it, it's like the most time sinkiest series i can think of and then you get into min maxing too because i remember before when um diamond and pearl were big and then platinum i think i had like 500 hours on diamond and then 500 more hours on platinum and they're the same bloody game <laughs> uh-huh. but my friends and i were all doing you know you go and you're hatching all the eggs and you're trying to get the right nature and then you're thinking about IVs and EVs and, oh, if you have to fight, is it Alakazam gives you max special attack or something? And it's like, well, I got to go fight this specific thing and level them up this way. And it's like, you can just drive yourself crazy. And don't get me started on shinies. <laughs> oh, um, actually, sort of the, the main writer on my site and... Um... You know, he's, he's sort of like my Pokemon buddy. We we help each other with the trades, although he's more I more help him by uh, just doing the trades that he needs to evolve because he's he's already got his thing. But he is a shiny hunter and a half. <laughs> um, he actually actually um he got a shiny like Halucha to pop up in uh in Shield. Oh wow! <laughs> it is really cool looking. Like I was like, oh, like I actually want one of those. But yeah, he uh I I, I randomly just kind of jokingly asked him for a shiny Piplup and. He like I I you know I I work graveyard and I mentioned it to him like that night and then I come home that morning go to sleep for a little while and then I wake up after a couple of hours and he's and he was like hey I've got that shiny pipple for you like four hundred eggs later I was like what dude you didn't have to do that for me man I appreciate that what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> well, it doesn't have the best nature but you know <laughs> yeah oh no I, I I don't care I mean see that's where I kind of drew the line was I will catch them all. And, but I am not sitting here breeding for like com- competitive stuff. I will like, you know, if, if I'm playing, you know, like if I'm fighting the elite four and I'm getting my butt kicked with the team I've got, guess what? I'm just going to go level up to 99 if I have to, and then I'll come back. Like if my Pokemon natures and stats suck, I, I've got what I've got and I'm just going to make do with what I got. Yeah. I'm much like Ash in that sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> so just like, I don't, I don't know how this works. I'm just going to go ahead and throw a, you know, a, a bug type against the bird type and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that poor Caterpie. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh boy yeah i we um one of the podcasts we do is um multimedia failure which is uh, hold on let me go into my spiel here for a second a chronological explanation of every video game ever made it which we rank um arbitrarily against one another after watching them um we've seen multiple pokemon ones and at this point like 
I, I, just this reference of like just seeing Ash, just like, dude, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You, you, you're, you want to be a Pokemon master, and you just keep using Pikachu against Rock types. You're a moron. It doesn't. You got lucky that one time against Brock, where the sprinklers went off. <laughs> yeah, that's. And then you're playing Pokemon Yellow, and then you're at the very first gym, and you're like, dude, where's the sprinkler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like uh, this is not going to work. It's like Pikachu, you suck. Great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's rough. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Ash was kind of an idiot, and he'd also give all his Pokemon away too, and then he'd be sad about it later. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the, the the episode where Butterfree leaves, uh, it's still a little bit of a tearjerker. I before school every day, I, um, we watch like half an episode of Pokemon, oh, yeah. or my, and my kids and I. And we got to the Butterfree one, and I'm just sitting there, like, you know, he puts the little scarf on on, yeah. uh, on his Butterfree, and then he flies off, and, you know, he's like, bye, Butterfree, I'll always remember you, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to cry, what the hell, I'm crying over a child's that's, freaking cartoon, what's wrong with me? That's funny, I saw that one on, because uh, there's the Twitch channel that just plays Pokemon constantly, so mm-hmm. that that's become, like, our Saturday morning cartoon, or whenever we feel like watching cartoons, and that one was on pretty recently, and I was like, man, okay, number one, that pink Butterfree is a jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I fully agree. I'm like, no, your Butterfree is way better than that, Ash. Get him some standards. Yeah. And actually, I think earlier he actually trades it on the SSN for that guy's Raticate, right? Yep, and then, yep, you've got that. And then yep. he cries and gets it back. But they have to go find the machine because you can't just hand over a Pokeball. You have to go find the machine. <laughs> I, I don't I, – the, the logic in this it, – it, we have decided that, like, you know, over the... Like, God, I think we're on five Pokemon movies we watch now. Like, we just cannot try to, like, suss out any logic out of this world. Like, it, if you try and think about it too hard, it's like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny, because, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! was kind of like that, too. If you go back and watch it, and you're like, what? You're not allowed to do that. This guy's breaking all the rules. Like, come on. <laughs> like, that, that's not what this card does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, we we went really tangential there on Pokemon, but I I, I kind of was expecting that to happen just based on our uh, you know off off uh, off air chats here <laughs> that we've been going back and forth. It's like oh, we're both really into Pokemon. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was when I was a kid. We would watch Pokemon, you know, uh, before bed. Watch Pokemon. Get up early the next morning to watch a rerun of the same episode like twelve hours later before <laughs> school. Like oh, jeez, my yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, I, boy, I, you know, a little embarrassing to admit, but um, you know, I mean, the first Pokemon movie came out when I was like sixteen or seventeen, and I went to go see it. The date came out with two of my friends who, at prior to that, had been like my neighbors who were a few years younger than me, and I called in late to work to go watch that <laughs> the day it came out. I, you know, like I mean, I, you know, seventeen-year-old child, I guess would call it who didn't go or showed up to work late because I had car problems and my excuse was I couldn't get at my car because I was in the middle of watching Pokemon. So, <laughs> well, yeah. That's a car like, problem oh. right there. Yeah, that that is, I, I, you know, the, my car is not in the movie theater where Pokemon is at the moment, so tough. <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it's just like, oh my God, what is, just the, the amount of like weird thing I've just like of my life that has been obsessed with Pokemon is just, a little disheartening at times to think about because I, I say that as I'm looking at a uh, Pikachu, Lucario, um, Jigglypuff, and Mewtwo Amiibo sitting like <laughs> right to my left. So yeah. and, a, and a stuffed Mew, and I'm wearing a Pikachu shirt. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got uh, two Pikachu plushies looking at me on the desk right now. 
Oh, cool. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not alone in this. You're not. And, and, oh, I, and I'm sorry. I'm. I'm sorry, Detective Pikachu Amiibo, standing to my right. My bad. I forgot about you. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. It's. It, it's. I don't know if you've seen its pose, where it's like sitting there, like its hands up in the air, or its hand up in the air, like stop. And it's like, oh yeah, you are kind of stopping me to remind me that you're there. Huh? Yeah. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we should, let's get back onto a little bit of music here. Um, oh yeah. So. Um, I was, I, I sent you some of my favorite, like, Game Boy music, and this wasn't, like, top five type stuff or anything. Mm-hmm. This was just, like, five stuff, or five tracks that I like that I could just think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So there was Battle of the Holy from the Castlevania Adventure, which I remember playing the hell out of, and at the time I think I liked it, and going back to it now, I'm like, boy, this is not a good Castlevania game. <laughs> not play so um when i heard the song i'm sure i've heard the song before because it did sound familiar but it is a very good one um Mm -hmm. and then it had shades of uh one of the other songs and i can't remember because i can't hear it in my head right now if it was part of vampire killer or part of bloody tears but there was like a little tiny snippet that took like the same same couple notes there that was kind of cool but uh i mean castlevania just has some really really awesome music that it almost doesn't matter if the game is good or not (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but. you know, you can take Castlevania too for that. I mean, that is, I mean, it, actually, let me, I'll even say like Castlevania Legends, there is a version of Vampire Killer in that one, and that is, um, I lovingly refer to her as Mama Belmont. Uh, uh, she's been since like written out of the canon. It is a Sonia Belmont, who is supposed to be the first Belmont, and she ends up like hooking up with Alucard at the end of the game, and they start the uh, Belmont lineage basically that way. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, there's a version of Vampire Killer in there that is, like, really good, and it's a Game Boy game, and it's just like, wow, Vampire Killer on the Game Boy, this is dope. Yeah.
mean, the NES has its own distinctive sound, but the Game Boy is that's the one that I really grew up with. So, and it, and I, I got to tell you, when I started working with LSDJ, which by the way mm-hmm. stands for Little Sound DJ, if anyone, it's not a drug. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> well, LSDJ. you never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can be high on chip tunes, but there you go. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, when I started making stuff in there, and I, you know, I had my little pulse instruments, and I was like, oh my god sounds like mario it sounds like pokemon it sounds like whatever that that was pretty cool so <laughs> as a little aside there yeah and like i said that's the reason i think i like your stuff so much is it really like takes me back to that it, it it's just familiar enough that i'm like oh yeah that sounds kind of like this or kind of like that it takes me there with that but it's still unique enough that it's just like yeah this this isn't this isn't stuff i grew up on or just somebody just like basically remixing something I've heard a dozen times over, you know, and it, like, it's just so nice getting like fresh Game Boy music in, you know, 2020. That's, that's what I love about it. It's it's like, it kind of, it's something you haven't heard before, but you feel like maybe you could have. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah if you, if you threw some like overly like large uh, Sprite on a Game Boy screen, I could picture a lot of your stuff just like mixing right in there. Just fine. I mean, yeah. It, just speaking of overly large Sprites on a Game Boy screen. Um, one of the other tracks I sent you was uh, Wily Stage 2 from Mega Man 3. problem is Mega Man takes up about half the screen. <laughs> um, I did play a bit of the first one. I was able to beat mm. Cutman, so that was that was good. I figured that out. I didn't spend too much time with that one. Um, I think I played a bit more Mega Man X on PSP later, to be honest, but I mean, it, Mega Man definitely is one of like the best franchises, in my opinion, as far as music goes. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, I mean, as much as I love the Pokemon music and, like, it definitely kind of seeps into my stuff, as, you know, you probably hear it in a couple tracks. But mm-hmm. if I had to say, like, three main, like, oh, my God, amazing music, it would be, um, like, Mega Man, Street Fighter, and Castlevania. That's, like, the trifecta for me of, like, amazing Game Boy, NES, whatever, just old chip yeah. music. It's just, there's so much energy and it's got, like, catchy tunes, like, get stuck in your head. And, you know... Incidentally, those are three, well, not, maybe not so much Street Fighter, maybe a little bit, but more so Castlevania and Mega Man. Those games are hard as nails, but mm-hmm. the thing is the music is so good. Like, yeah. um, I was telling you Wicked Child from Castlevania, like from the first Castlevania, that one is like so ingrained in my head just because I failed that level so many times. But the reason I failed it so many times is that I didn't care because I thought, oh, I died again. But I get to keep listening to Wicked Child, so it's all good. You know? Yeah. So, and same thing with Mega Man. <laughs>
I'm so glad you brought up that one because it, it is, I feel like, one of the most underappreciated Castlevania tracks. It, it's one that just seems to get lost in the mix when it comes to like people like remixing or even like um, Konami like coming back and sort of revisiting it a little bit. Like you know, Bloody Tears, Vampire Killer, they get redone to the you know hell and back. But it just feels like Wicked Child is just sort of like the you know redheaded stepchild of like the good Castlevania music. It's like this is great, but we're never gonna touch it again. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's like a hidden gem, I guess. I know, and, and I I haven't played a lot of the Castlevania games, but it seems to me that those two in particular, Bloody Tears and Vampire Killer, those are the ones that pop up and they get remixed and they get you know kind of like you said, but they're in multiple games. But I think I could be wrong on this, but I think Wicked Child is only in the first one. I don't know if it shows up again or not, but. I have this gigantic box set of Castlevania music that I bought for way too much money a few years back. But um, <laughs> it's I, I, the best I can remember. Like, I don't think it's there. It might have made it into the, the Pachinko version of Castlevania, the patchy slot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they I, I was so disheartened that, like, oh, my God, there's just all of this, like, wonderful, like, orchestrated or just like kind of butt rock Castlevania music, like, you know, mixed into that. And I think Wicked Child's in there, but it's just like, it's, this is for a Pachinko Castlevania game. God, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just really good. That song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it, I, I can almost overlook the fact that it's an Pachinko game just because it's Castlevania music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's kind of funny in retrospect that you don't end up hating these songs from these levels that you're just like, Oh, I died to this you know, stupid Medusa head flying at me again or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Some of those games, there's some stuff that just straight up seems kind of unfair. <laughs> like, uh, I know Ninja Gaiden is really bad for that, but Castlevania's got a bit of it too, just when you get hit and you just kind of fly backwards and just oh, you just instantly fall down a pit and die. And it's like, what? That guy wasn't even spawned in when I started jumping. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that's 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 tidy. So um, I mentioned um, to you before we got started, um, Jeremy Parrish, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, him doing his Game Boy works, he had this, like, incredibly in-depth, and I, I'll see if I can pull it um, up for you, like, when we get done. Remind me if I forget, mm-hmm. of, like, just how well-designed Castlevania is. And he went through just, like, the design, like, the spawn points and everything, and just, like, even just, like, the architecture of the castle itself in the game. Just how remarkably well-designed that is. And, like, the more I, like, I, you know, I read it and read it, and I went back and played it, and I was like, holy shit, like, there are there's like no floating platforms in the game itself. They're all like attached to something in the castle. There, you know, there's no like no freestanding walls. Everything makes sense, even if it's a little dilapidated. Mm-hmm. It's just this astounding piece of like design that you didn't need to put in a pretty not pretty early, but like you know, midlife NES game. It you didn't need to put that much level of detail into it, and they did. And then just having this music in there too, and he said. It really made me think of, like, you know, um, Simon's uh, hard to control at times, but he's predictably hard to control. You know what his movements are going to be, and if you play the game enough, you can start to figure out where those spawn points are. Like, okay, if I move this far, this will spawn right here. And, I mean, I guess that's most games, but yeah, just the predictability of which Simon controls... Like, for me, that game is still way too hard for my ass to play without uh, save states, but, you know, I'm like, it's, it is so remarkably well designed, and that that soundtrack is just, just, oof, and like I said, I am, I am so glad you brought up Wicked Child, because I feel like every time I, 
like hear the Castlevania soundtracks, it's just like that one never gets brought yeah. up. Well, and I know what you mean. Even the design, like the colors. And the thing is with all those older games, like some of the colors just seem like it's Castlevania is like bright blue and bright orange for the most part. And it's like, how is that scary? But it, it still is. But the thing is, Simon stands out so well from the background. And like, yeah, what you're saying, how everything is kind of attached. And even just the way that, um, the architecture of the castle itself takes you through the level. Like there's somewhere where you go, you know, up some stairs and then it, you know, loads the next part and then you go back down the stairs in a different place. Or there's like, it's not just the thing, kind of like what you said, I guess, but especially in those older games and just games in general, people don't necessarily notice things like that. Like they're, they're probably not mm-hmm. going to notice like, uh, wait a second. If there's stairs going up here, that means that, you know, something else and, you know, doesn't work or whatever. Right. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. like, you can have the whole level laid out in front of you and you can, if you see a map of it, like it does make sense. And then just the fact that with the color design, like you're not getting your character lost or anything. Like you see where he is mm-hmm. and you see where the enemies are. And it's, it's pretty obvious where you can, where you can go and what you can stand on, what's background, stuff like that. Um, and with him being, you know, predictably hard to control on that i think the whip is a huge thing which i mean that was pretty different i can't i can't think of any other game where you can where you have a whip except maybe an indiana jones game at some point but the thing is he's got this long wind up for it so it's like yeah in mario when you have the fire flower you press b it goes and it shoots right away but like with simon you press <laughs> wait 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 i need you to make that noise again that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> yep there you go yep i love it okay <laughs> just the little mario sound when he throws his fireball <laughs> But with Simon, it's like you have to do the wind up first. So if you're you, you have to anticipate where the enemy's mm-hmm. coming from. And if you don't, you're way too late and you're going to get hit while you're doing your whip wind up. So and then the other thing I think that was kind of frustrating, though, was with stairs in that game. You yeah. have to you have to hold up or down. Like if you just go left or right, you'll just go left or right, which makes sense when you're on the ground. But I remember so many times I would try to go down the stairs but if I just hold right, I would like just fall down. But you have to be like holding <laughs> yep. down on the stairs, and then he starts walking down. So it, it's things like that that are kind of frustrating and annoying. But then you you figure them out, and it's like, oh, okay. And I know, yeah. like way back when, I did try to play Castlevania. And I was like, oh, this game is too hard. This is like pff, old hard NES game. I can't do that. But then more recently, I picked it up again, and I was like, okay. Actually, I think it was when I saw a speed run race. And one of the games done quick things if it was in the summer one in June or something like that. But I guess there was a race and I thought, what? That's I can do that. So then I, I revisited it. And just any time that you die to something, you just think about what killed you and why. And just don't let that happen the next time. And then yep. then something later kills you. But then you just figure that one out. And you just there's something really satisfying in those old games because they are so hard. And you die a lot, but you figure it out, you overcome it, you get to the next point, and then, you know, that kills you, you figure it out, you get a little bit (laughs) further each time, you know. Whereas I think a lot of games these days are just very hand-holdy, or they're just really Mm -hmm. smooth sailing. You don't have to think too much about what you're doing, you just kind of go through, and then something kills you, and you're like what that came out of nowhere, (laughs) you know, and then you might, you might try a couple times, but it's just kind of it's just kind of angering, I guess, <laughs> but you have to, you know, so these games are, it's like a little, a little bit at a time. You can kind of figure one thing out, get a little bit further, a little bit further. And that's where you start to feel like you're actually making progress. And I think that's probably the draw for a lot of people for like, um, 
the Dark Souls games and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I, I've got to say, like I, when I played Dark Souls the first time, I I felt like even Demon Souls, like I felt like Demon Souls was uh, kind of I don't know, like a, a good experiment in what was to come. And then Dark Souls, I played it and I I liked what it was doing, but it was just too much for me. I. And maybe it's just because as I've gotten older, my reflexes have slowed, or I just don't have the patience for that stuff anymore. But like, I I, I see an NES game, and I can I can weather those storms when it comes to just oh I screwed up. Okay, let's try again. And I think it's because once you know what you're doing, you can beat those games fairly you know consistently in like yeah you know an hour hour and a half. Whereas like a Dark Souls game, even if you're good at it, and I'm not talking like speedrun quality good, mm-hmm. but just good, it's going to take you probably a couple dozen hours to get through it. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. And one thing I do like about the Souls games, and I, I agree with you on like how Demon Souls was very experimental. Like I remember watching a friend play it at the time because there, there's no way I would have been able to play it. And maybe I could slog my way through it now, but there's no way I would have been able to play it back then when it came out. But um, I just remember being very impressed with the overall atmosphere and the story and like everything was just really cool. And of mm-hmm. course, it was this kind of niche thing because that was kind of... I think with difficulty in games kind of making a comeback because up till then it was just, again, this very kind of easy sort of you're playing the game for fun, which you are, but when there's no challenge, you know, it isn't as satisfying to get through. Right. So, and I think I still want to play Bloodborne (laughs) because that, that one, the story and the world and everything really appeals to me. And, um, that one, I mean, I got, I got stuck pretty quick, but I'm sure I could figure it out. Like a, a lot of the differences, it's kind of reactive. So um, in this generation, we're all kind of used to just like rushing in head first, you know, guns blazing, sword swinging, whatever. But then if you mm-hmm. do that in, in one of those, the Soulsborne games, you're just going to get like ripped apart. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of have to go in and see what your enemy's doing and then, you know, dodge and usually hit them back. You know, it's kind of... An exercise in patience, I guess you could say. It maybe I just don't have that anymore. Like I, I was playing um, Jedi Outcast or Jedi Fallen Order, not Jedi Outcast. Jeez Louise, <laughs> going way back in my head there. Um, Fallen Order, and I was playing on a normal up until about halfway through the game, and I started just like having too much of a. I, I want to say too much. The game pushing back on me too hard, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna tone it down. Like I. I got the feel for the combat there and I felt fine with the experience I had at that point. And I kind of just wanted to see the story at that point. And I, I got what I wanted out of it as far as like gameplay goes. And at that point, it's like, I just kind of want to feel like a badass Jedi now and <laughs> just experience the story. It's like, I, I struggled, I struggled, I struggled, I struggled and I got good. And then I got to a point where I couldn't get good anymore. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tone this down, put it in baby mode and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, sometimes you just have to kind of get through it. And honestly, I hadn't really beaten or like gone all the way through a game in a long time like Pokemon Blue is the first one and Mm. since then I mean I did beat Super Metroid a few years ago that felt really good I didn't get all the stuff I got like a 73% or something but I made it through Um, I recently played the first Ace Attorney game because I had never played a Phoenix Strike game before so that was cool but it was very long and it kind of started to feel like it wasn't going to end, <laughs> which well, let me tell you, that was the first thing that sold me on a DS. Like I, my brother had um, came out to visit cause he lives in Phoenix and I live in Albuquerque and I saw him playing that and he showed me the, you know, you can yell into the thing or whatever. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I'm sold. I want a DS now. I, I want one of these things. And my, like my grandma, 
and my mom had ended up like just kind of pulling together to get me one for Christmas. And I got Phoenix Wright with it. And let me tell you, I I mainlined that game so so hard. Like I I had the DS fat basically when that came, or, you know that was my yeah. first DS and. That game was my first game, it was a, and I have an affinity for that series. I keep buying them, even though I haven't played one since Apollo Justice. <laughs> so yeah, I, I got the uh, the trilogy when it it was on DS on sale a while back. So it was like it was really cheap. It was like twelve dollars or something, or maybe mm-hmm. fifteen, and you got like the the first three games. So I thought that yeah. was a, a good starting point. But yeah, like that. It is really good. It's really well written. It's really funny, and yeah, you just you know objection, and it's just so satisfying, and. <laughs> I will, I will forever have that just like moment stuck in my head of my brother, like, and he's my younger brother too. And he's just like, Hey, watch this. And he held down, I think it's the Y button and just like, and just yelled objection. And then objection. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's the cool. Oh, and and really like the music, like, Oh yeah. The cornered music. And you're just like, Oh yeah, here we go. Right. That's so, Oh God. Yes, yes, yes. I love that music so, so much. There's just something about Phoenix Wright that I, like I said, I love that series. I have, I, I, we, I don't even remember now if it was on the air because we've been talking for a while, but you know, I have this problem of buying games multiple times just to support them. Like I have the trilogy on the 3DS. I have it on my iPad. Um, I have it on the Xbox one and I have it on the switch. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I have some serious issues, but I, I love those games so much. I even have like the two most recent ones that came out on the 3DS that I've never touched. They, I just bought them the day they came out and let them sit there. I was like, Hey, no, I want Phoenix Wright to continue. Even if I don't play them, I want them to continue. I don't know why I continue to support them them even though i don't play them anymore i mean i don't think that series is really going anywhere because it's got a pretty solid following um there was actually a a bot i think on twitter that just posts like random quotes (laughs) from phoenix right they're so funny some of them just out of context Mm. really funny so (laughs) oh yeah i maybe i should see if i can dig that thing up but (laughs) anyway um let's let's 
Let's, we were going to talk a little bit more about some other Game Boy music, but let's move on to your stuff here. I think we've been uh, kind of off off tangent here for quite a while. Yeah, good chat, though. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so the first piece that I really kind of like latched onto was Wing Blaze. weird thing is, is I kind of got to be honest, it almost doesn't sound like your style at times. I, I can't describe it. It's not a bad thing, though. It's just, I don't know, it could just be my taste, but I feel like you're like absolutely firing on all cylinders when 
with that thing, it's just so well constructed and it's clean sounding and it does not have a weak moment in there. And again, I'm not like criticizing anything else that you've done. It's just weird. It sounds very different than the rest of your style. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I kind of feel it that way too. Um, that one. Oh, thank God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That one was actually planned to be on the first album, but I just didn't, it wasn't like, I didn't have a clear vision for that one at the time. So that's why I got pushed back to more tales yet untold instead. But I'm trying to remember what all the inspiration was for that one. Cause I know, um, I had talked to you a little bit, before about um that game sky shark that it, we used to play on nes because as a kid i did not have tetris but we had super mario bros with the duck hunt thing and then we mm-hmm. had sky shark which is um turns out it's like a real hidden gem of a game that most people i think have never heard of i think it's another uh world war type game and basically like you play as a pilot in the sky shark and you you know it's just it's a top-down shooter you know but it's super hard so i i really love the title music in that and the level one music didn't get to see much of level two and beyond i don't even know how many levels are in there because it's so hard for listeners here uh in case you're wondering that is a tim fallen joint so if you've been following this podcast you know who tim fallen is at this point and yeah just go listen to the soundtrack as soon as she sent it to me i was like wait wait the first like two notes that hit in that title screen or whatever it was, I was like is this tim and i went to I, I immediately went to moby games i was like yep tim fallen okay that explains that yeah, it's a pictionary guy <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I, Which, I will never, never understand that. That's, that Pictionary theme has no right being such a banger. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It makes no sense as to why it is in that shitty, shitty game. <laughs> but, but yeah, Sky Shark. Uh, it was, you know, my dad was big in airplanes, and if he wasn't, we probably, I probably never would have even heard of it because I, I know most people haven't. But I haven't. But that, yeah. that was just really good, high energy, you know. And I've learned since more about. Um, the, the composer there because I 
I'm really bad for names and stuff, and I just know some of the big ones. But um, it turns out he also did Silver Surfer, which is another one that people are like, uh-huh. oh, my God, amazing music, and I need to listen to that one more too. But I think I was thinking a little bit about his style and Sky Shark and just how exciting that was, and that's probably why I called it Wing Blaze. Because these first two albums that I did, actually kind of all of them, I have like a sort of very loose kind of story in my head. Mm-hmm. There's no like specific canon or anything per se, but it's more like, oh, like, for example, that album with Wing Blaze on it, it's like, well, the first one is called Set Out. So it's kind of like sitting out, you know, on your adventure. And when I think about that song, it's kind of like, oh, you just got your your level five Pokemon and you're off to, you know, Viridian City or you just your Link and you just got your your wooden sword and wooden shield and you're setting out. And, you know, it's like that kind of getting going. And then, like, the second song is a spooky woods. And then there's, you know, like, I I try to add a little bit of where it feels like you're moving from one game level or area to the next. And then Wing Blaze, in my head, I was kind of thinking, like, airplanes and stuff. But it didn't really fit with what I actually had in mind, which is more of, like, a Zelda-type world. You wouldn't really have airplanes. So more (laughs) of, like, a big crazy bird or a dragon or something like that. Um, There you go. But um, the other thing um, with that one... I don't know if people ever do this. I know I'm bad for not doing this, but on Bandcamp, you can actually write descriptions of the songs. So if you just go to the album page and you just play them, you won't see them. But if you actually click on the song names or if you click on info, then you can read all the little blurbs and stuff. So I I try for every song that I make to just put a little something to give an idea of what it's about or what what level it would be in the in the game that, you know, the hypothetical game that doesn't actually exist. (laughs) But for wing blaze i had written on the back of an illustrious dragon our hero soars through the clouds leaving behind a trail of sparkling flames in the sky that's kind of what that was about I guess. oh that's cool that's cool you know what i, I actually i don't think i knew that <laughs> feature is, is is that that's not available on the app right um that's a good question i don't think it is okay well you know what i'm going to do when we get done, <laughs> done recording here is i'm going to be going through uh going through my Bandcamp library and seeing who's done what, but apparently you've done it. So I'll at least be checking out yours first. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a fun way to sort of, especially for like, I mean, my songs don't have words in them because it's chiptune. It's all instrumental. So there's no lyrics Mm -hmm. to kind of tell you what the story is supposed to be. You kind of just have to close your eyes and see what kind of game scene comes to mind. Right. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of this one. And with the, the rhythm in that is kind of inspired more by like heavy metal and that kind of chugging guitar. So I try to put that in more of my bass lines and stuff. And I can, I can totally see that in Wing Blaze, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a couple of places. I know my mom didn't really like this one as much because um, she said it was kind of, what was the word she used? Was it discordant or something? But there are some places where the note, the next, like the note that comes next isn't the one that you would expect or not the one that your ear wants to hear next. Yeah. And so that that might be why it sounds a bit, different than my other stuff because usually when i make a song i can kind of hear in my head like what note should come next and then i usually go Mm. with that one sometimes i'll change it a little bit if it seems too predictable but this one i tried to really change it up and put notes that didn't sound like they quite belonged but they kind of worked anyways okay yeah so you kind of went down a different path than what your brain and your ear are sort of expecting to hear and you normally do. Okay, no, that explains why it kind of, like I said, it doesn't really sound like your stuff for the most part, but it, there's enough of, I, I, there's enough of your style in there that I still catch it, but it's just like, there's something a little off about it. And I, I guess that's probably it. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. There's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I can't 
tell you exactly where in the song it is, but there, there's just those parts where it kind of sounds like it should go one way and then it goes another way. <laughs> the next one I wanted to bring up was Norfrost. This is where you are going to find out, the audience who's been sticking with me through this knows I'm an absolute sucker for fast-paced stuff. <laughs> um, you know, uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast for any amount of time knows with the amount of Falcom Sound Team we play on here, like, what my, like, thing is. And it is, like, you you put in, like, a rocking guitar and, a, like, you know, a fast violin in the same in the same track, and I'm just like, that, that you, you, you sold me. I don't care how much this track costs, I'm buying it. <laughs> but, um, but, like, Norfrost, it's it just, just, oh, God, it's it's really good. As far as like the pace goes, that scaling section about halfway is just. It, I I don't know how else to describe, it, but it's just dope as hell. I <laughs> absolutely love Norfrost. It is like really really good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this one for this one I had written a dark frozen forest because that's kind of the idea, like nor kind of mm-hmm. like north, um, yeah. like northern frost. But yeah, and part of. Part of that might be because my song files can only be eight characters long, so Norfrost fit perfectly. So maybe that's oh, why. Oh, there that, you go. I don't know if I was planning to call it North Frost or something, but I kind of like the way it turned out. Anyways, um, this one I was kind of going for like a Mega Man kind of feel to it, which because a lot of those they have like that um, the faster drive, the energy. They've got that kind of weird. I'm not really sure. Almost like a blaster sound, you know, on, usually on the second and fourth beat where they just go, pew, 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 you know, <laughs> that yep, just yep. almost like where the snare drum would be. You just get this weird little like pew sound instead. <laughs> <laughs> Kimmy, I have to say, I love your sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, maybe I'll have to, to sample some vocal stuff in the future. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 
but that's, that's kind of what I wanted for that one. Again, just thinking about those levels where you just keep dying and dying and dying, but you don't care because you can keep listening to, you know, Storm Eagle or Spark Mandrel or whatever. You can just listen to it over and over again, keep dying, but you get to keep playing. So it's all good. <laughs> Okay, um, you know, you just really pointed out my two favorite Mega Man X uh, tracks there. <laughs> so, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I, I, you know what, maybe, maybe uh, forgive me for saying so, maybe we were both uh, basic bitches for that one, but, uh, you know, I, I, they're they're too good. I mean, how can you not like those two tracks? They're, yeah, they're real bangers, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you don't enjoy them, just jump off a bridge, there's no saving you. <laughs> Uh, I say that don't jump off a bridge, anybody. Seriously, there's, 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 there's other music out there. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead. And the next one I wanted to bring up was Wolf Castle.
I really, I like the tempo, but the use of the lower tones in here is like, I think my favorite part in it. It's got a great beat and is a track that I, I feel like it's something I describe as like a, like strutting music. Basically, you can kind of listen to this and just kind of feel like a little bit of a badass. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and this one actually does have um, a pretty strong inspiration behind it. The, mm-hmm. for one thing I wanted to, I wanted to write something in a minor um, again, I don't know a whole lot about chords and scales and music theory in general, so I'm not sure if it ended up being an A minor or not, but I, I kind of <laughs> looked up A minor and thought, okay, this looks like these are the notes I need to use. I use those. And uh, it, it did, I'm sure it did end up being in some kind of minor key because it has that kind of haunting sound to it and it does have a bit of weight to it. And uh, this one was actually inspired by Powerwolf, which is my favorite metal band that a lot of people also haven't heard of um they're you should look them up they're great they're all their album covers they're like werewolves dressed up as priests and i it's so they have a lot of this uh it's kind of just trying to think like they, they do have some songs where they have like the church organ kind of sound or like a mm. choir or it it's almost sounds like a hymn that you would hear at church, but like twisted and into a metal song about werewolves, but they've got like really, really good rhythms and really just really interesting, like syncopation and stuff and really catchy songs. And it's, it, they're all about werewolves and, and God and stuff. And I'm, I'm not a religious person at all. So it was kind of weird listening to it at first, but yeah. it's, I got so hooked. <laughs> so those guys are fantastic. And I I was listening to them an awful lot when I when I made this song. Ah, so okay. so I kind of gleaned some some Power Wolf into there I think. Um, but the story behind it is basically it's kind of funny. But this would be like the the theme for a location, which would be the Wolf Castle, and it's basically a safe haven for werewolves. Which you you might not think that werewolves need a safe place or need to be protected. But I mean, imagine how hard it must be being a werewolf. You know, you need your, your support and your community. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I picture this kind of spooky castle kind of deep in the woods, kind of out of the way. And, you know, werewolves can go there. There's no judgment. They all help each other. They protect each other. You know, they make sure that they don't, you know, eat each other, I guess, but <laughs> the full moon, <laughs> It's sort of a neutral zone for them, basically. Yeah, you know, they can just chill there and not worry. You know, there's no silver allowed, stuff like that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of a weird story to it, I guess. That's kind of cool. I I, I like that you, like, even thought about this stuff that much. Like, I said, me, it would just be like, oh, this bloop sounds like it should bleep here. And, you know, (laughs) it's kind of like the way I think I would write music if I was going to write music. So it's like, the fact that you even have, like, a story in there... I think it's good because it gives you like a little bit of like, a, okay, well, this should, this should sound like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and sometimes I have a story idea before I make a song and sometimes it kind of comes in after like I'm trying to think of other ones, but even, well, actually on that same album, the first song Croft's cave, which might be the first song I ever finished. I think I pretty much did these in order, which is weird because it ended up being a good play order for the album. But anyway, the first one was I was thinking about Yoshi's Island and there's that one. Is it called Crystal Caves? I can't remember. But there's that just that level where it's all glittery, but it's like underground and you have to like push these big boulders around to reach higher spots. Yeah. But 
Yeah, with all the coins and stuff up top there, basically. Yeah, and I, I was kind of yeah. thinking about that one because it was all just it was like a dark cave and it should have been spooky and it was kind of spooky, but it also was really pretty and there's all this like bright sparkling gems and stuff and it it was just really cool. So like that one I kind of knew when I started I wanted to make something like that. Wolf Castle, I think kind of the story sort of wove itself while I was writing it, but I feel like if I don't have something in my head, then it just ends up sounding kind of generic. So it also helps me keep track of what songs, which. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. It, it can be hard to keep them, keep track of them too. And which one has which title if you don't know what they're about. So it helps. <laughs> I, I'd imagine, especially like, you know, you've, you've turned out quite a bit in what, what, eight months now at this point? Uh, something like that. Yeah. About eight months. Yeah, well, my first album you've... came out in June. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, you know, we'll, we'll even just say from like the time you started messing with the stuff, eight months, I'm, I, I am astounded <laughs> that you've managed to put out this much and it's all very good. I'm just like, okay, well, that's, yeah, but <laughs> well, keep in mind, I don't really do any, it's just all done in the Game Boy and it's, so it's just the one, I don't have to record multiple instruments and write lyrics and, you know, balance everything together. So I think that helps it go a little quicker too. So <laughs> You don't have to be so down on yourself, okay? Yeah, just, 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 just take the compliment. I, I know, I, I know. Creative types tend to sometimes have a hard time taking a compliment. Just, it, it it's really impressive that you've managed. This. Well, thank you. <laughs> Next one that I wanted to bring up was no rest.
I feel like this one really encapsulates the Game Boy sound in my head. It's just kind of fun, you know what I mean? Yeah, th- this one, I did have a lot of fun with it. And this was the last track on my first album. So by then, I, I kind of felt like I knew not entirely what I was doing, but I felt like I had a, a decent grasp on how to use LSDJ and what kind of sounds I could make and how to do different things. Um, so I did a lot of like switching between instruments on this one. Because mm-hmm. in, in LSDJ, you you have like your channels like i said before but just because you have like your pulse channel and you have a pulse instrument doesn't mean you only have the one to play with so because there's you can add different effects and change you know the length and the volume of the instrument and different things so you you actually program all the instruments and then you program all the notes and everything so you can really customize how it sounds which you know but then you get stuff that sounds exactly like you know whatever sound in a certain old game or whatever um, but no rest. I remember I did use a lot of um, of arpeggios, which with LSDJ because you can only have an instrument play one note at a time, so you can't really do chords. So what you'll mm. often do is you'll do an arpeggio, we just call them arps usually. But then you basically have like one instrument that cycles between three different notes of a chord really quickly, so that it almost sounds like they're playing at the same time. But then you end up just getting this kind of weird gurgly sound. It's it's hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to the song, you'll know what I mean. Because there's the notes that kind of sound like there's a little bit more going on, and that's with the arps. So, but that one that one was really fun to do. I thought it would be a good way to kind of wrap up the album, but also kind of be a send off onto the next adventure. Um, and especially since I was already planning the second album when the first one came out, because there were so many songs that I wanted to include on the first one they weren't quite ready yet and i i wanted to you know learn a bit more and you know make the next album better so that was where i kind of had to draw the line of what makes it onto this one what has to wait for the second one uh but right. but no rest was kind of in between like it it could have been on the second one but you know it's uh it ended up just kind of being on the first one it's almost like the the credits i guess of the game and then saying you know to be continued and you're like oh what's coming next <laughs> i was just going to say that it did it almost feels like a little bit of like a hey this is over except there's a little bit of a bridge in there that you kind of like oh okay well this is leading to the next thing so i think i, I think you nailed it if that's what you were going for well, good because <laughs> it was what i was going for <laughs> <laughs> perfect because so, that album and the next one they're both eps with six tracks so they they could have been like one longer album with 12 tracks on it but I think I just really wanted to release something and see kind of what the reception was going to be because that that was yeah. me like dipping my toes in the water there. So, so the uh, next three I want to bring up are from um, your full album to become a hero, mm-hmm. and first up is Wake Up and Fight. We'll be right back. 
And again, uh, sucker for fast-paced stuff. Uh, the the pace for this thing is just perfect. It's got great moments where it feels like you you pulled back a little bit, and then it picks kind of back up, and then like slaps you back in the face with the intensity. I really, really dig that vibe. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I've, I'm really proud of how that one came out, too. And, and this album, compared to the other two that we were talking about, like there's a lot that kind of went on between the second album and then this one. Because mm-hmm. I had I had a few others sort of in between there. But I feel like this is where I really, like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm going to push it and see, you know. Um, and when I made Ghost in the Game Boy, which was my Halloween one before this, I was really playing around trying to make some really bizarre sounds, especially using that weird wave channel because you can get it to make all kinds of weird noises. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> caught that on that album. Yeah. So I, I kind of figured out, oh, okay, I can make this kind of weird noise like this and I can do that. And that that was very experimental. And then I took what I learned from that and brought it into uh, To Become a Hero. And then since I already knew how to do these things, I kind of had them in mind already going into it, where I wanted to put them, how I wanted to use them and stuff like that. And this one probably follows a bit of a story kind of better than any of the other albums because I did sort of I I was kind of writing the whole story for the album while I was making it. So with the first couple, it was like, I feel like making a cave sounding song. I feel like making a flying kind of song or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I was planning this one out, it was like, okay, well, the first one is like a battle to kind of kick things off and make it exciting, right? And then, again, going back to Pokemon again. Um, <laughs> what if you it think all of, comes back to Pokemon. <laughs> well, if you think of when you get your first Pokemon and then your rival's like, hey, wait, we got to fight. And it's like right off the bat, you don't know what you're doing yet. You've never played Pokemon before. You know, you okay, I'm just going to keep using Scratch until your guy falls down. Okay, great, whatever. But it throws you in like right away. And then... The next song is like, oh, now you're leaving, you're going on to your next place, you're still figuring things out. And then there's, you know, the next one's like, oh, there's this, you know, monster or creature comes out of nowhere and is chasing you and you have to figure things out. And like, so I did kind of put it into sequence. So with Wake Up and Fight, that's kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, you've gone to bed and you, you set up your camp or whatever. And then out of nowhere, you're, you know, attacked in the middle of the night and you don't have any time to think about it. You just got to wake up and fight. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. it's just pure adrenaline, basically. That's that's exactly what I get out of the track. It's just like, oh, there is some shit going on here. Yeah, and it's and the song before that is kind of happy and upbeat and everything. So it's kind of like, you know, trying to get that contrast in there where it's like, oh, everything's good and happy and chill, and I'm gonna go to bed now. And then, oh my god, what is that? You know, gotta <laughs> just you know, where's my sword? Wake up and grab your sword and just go to it. And um, this one. At the very beginning, there's like a really, really short little like rhythm thing with the percussion. Um, And that I took right out of the Violet City song from Pokemon Gold and Silver because I just I get that song stuck in my head a lot. And I don't know why because I (laughs) I haven't played those games in years. But there's just this little little beat that plays right at the beginning and then it goes into it.
I mean, my song is a lot faster, so it's not as noticeable, I guess. But but that's that's the only place where I specifically like ripped something off. <laughs> <laughs> but just a little couple pickup notes. I think it's okay. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's okay. Um, you know what? Remind me at some point to send you a couple of like the bonus episodes I've done that are sort of behind our Patreon wall. Um, I'll I'll, I'll kick them over, Dia. There's um, uh, a scary amount of video game music that borrows uh, from other stuff, and sometimes it's you know subtle, and sometimes it's blazingly obvious. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, there's more than a few tracks from the original or from Street Fighter 2 that you're like, oh, Yokoshima Mora, what did you do? Oh, Uh-oh. come on. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. I was like, oh, like, Yokoshima Mora is like one of my favorite composers. And to hear that, I was like, oh, boy. That's, that's some of the most <laughs> iconic game music, too. Like, you think Ken and Ryu's themes alone are like. <laughs> You know. uh, wait till you wait till you hear Guile's thing. Oh right. boy! Oh, oh yeah, I didn't even yeah. think of Guile. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Everything. Uh huh. Yeah. Well. Well, that's because it went. It, it's because it came from somewhere else. It's just like, oh no, bummer. Why did you? Uh, okay. Anyway. Oh yeah. Let's not talk about that. I've, I've bummed myself out enough just thinking about that. Anyway. Um. Did you? Did you have anything else on Wake Up and Fight? There. I'm sorry. Uh, no. It's just. Well, it's funny though because I. I. That part was totally where I, I meant to use something from a different song. Mm-hmm. And then there was a part later on where it's one part where it just kind of goes or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I realized later, I think it's the exact same notes as when you I'm get sorry, into I a battle with Pokemon. Right. And I was like, Oh no, I think it's the same. But again, it's so small. I think it's okay. But that it's just funny. Cause that part, that's you know pokemon in my subconscious just <laughs> showing itself i guess mm-hmm. but yeah no so i thought that was kind of funny but that that song in particular if you like if you grew up with pokemon like me you know that's that's a good song to listen to because it sounds like pokemon <laughs> <laughs> all right the next one i wanted to bring up was curious alter
the reason I think I like this one so much is I've talked about this on other like songs on other podcasts I've I've done, but I dig the like the head fake intro. You kind of start one way and it just seems like it's going like a little spooky or something to start, and then the beat hits and it just I. I Man, it just kind of goes in a, com- I don't want to say completely different direction, which is like, oh, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> and then you do like this breakdown in the middle. It's just, odd. Oh, it's perfect. It, it gives you a little bit of breathing room, and then you kind of bring it right back to the, like, the main melody of the whole thing. Yeah, well, and this one in particular, this one, I mean, I wasn't saying my little blurbs for them, but this one I just put, this place gives me the creeps. <laughs> and <laughs> this one is like, you know, you kind of stumble across this weird temple or it looks like some kind of place where there's going to be some nasty rituals going on or something like that. And so, yeah, at the beginning it is kind of hesitant, like, do I really want to go in here? And then, but once you decide, it's like, yes, you're going in. And then it's almost like, um, like when you're actually sure that you want to get in there and then maybe you find a cool treasure or some secret or something like that, but then you end up triggering a few traps and it's, you know, almost, my, I think I already talked about Indiana Jones in this. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, That's all right. You know, almost, almost like that. You trigger some kind of trap or something, and then you, then it becomes yeah. like you have to escape. So, and that this song actually almost didn't make it because I, I, it took me a while to decide if I wanted it on there or not. Just it is very different from the other songs, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. And I think that's why I ended up including it is just because it was really different, and you know it's. Yeah. You know, two thirds of the way through the album, so it is kind of a good break, I think. But it, it doesn't have like a super catchy melody that's going to get stuck in your head, and it's not like a super crazy, you know, boss fight like War of Wizards, you know, is intended to be. But it's just kind of this w- weird song that, to me, still seems a little bit out of place. But I think that's kind of what makes it fit, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like I feel like it. It does fit. But it it is sort of like a little bit of a like a respite from the rest of the album. Like this one's a little bit different. It kind of gives you something to. I, I don't want to say like take a break from what the rest of the album sort of is like leading you down like a path as far as like maybe a story in your mind as you're listening to it. This one sort of feels like a little bit of like maybe a guide in a side story, if you will, almost. Yeah, it's just kind of like jarring, I think, because it it sort of comes out of nowhere. I mean, the song before mm-hmm. it in the trees, that one, you know. That one I had in mind, these cute little monkey type creatures that you're just walking through the forest. You, you you know, you did your wake up fight and you're good. And then there's these cute little critters in the trees and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you kind of come across this altar and it's like, oh, what is this doing here? You know, it's like, oh, hell, what did I just walk into? Yeah, exactly. And then but, you know, you're going to check it out because, again, you know, and it's funny because I was talking to my partner about it. But like whenever I'd play Pokemon games or any kind of dungeon crawler or RPG or I mean, literally any game. You always want to go the wrong way first. Because if you go the right way, you're just going to get to the next story part. But if you go the wrong way, that's where you find the treasure or, you know, whatever special item you need or you find some weird Easter egg. You know, you always got to go the wrong way first. Then you go the right way and you carry on, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's maybe that song is about going the wrong way. There you go. You're, th- this is the song that, like, oh, do I really need the special item to get through this thing? Do I really? And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get it, damn it. And it just kind of powers you through. Yeah. And then from there, you're pretty much launched into the end game. So <laughs> <laughs> So the next one I wanted to bring up from uh, from this album is Runner.
And I, I think I think this is again another thing I like just because of the lower tones. Um, I mentioned earlier Gore, uh, one of the writers on my site, who is the shiny hunter. Um, he kind of described it as industrial, and I I, I kind of dig that as far as the description goes. It feels fairly different from the rest of the stuff on the album too, but it totally fits in really well. It's not quite the like the side thing like Curious Alter is. But it's like, okay, this is a little bit different, but not, like, huge. It, it's, say, like, three-quarters of the way off the path instead of, like, you know, a complete 90-degree turn, basically, like Curious Alter feels like it is. Yeah. Well, and this was another one where kind of my metal fanness <laughs> shows through a bit. Because um, there were a few songs on here where I actually put in, like, a double kick <laughs> in the in the bass drum. And mm-hmm. I think Wake Up and Fight, that was actually one of them, Curious Alter and Runner. So I think you picked like the three on that album <laughs> with, oh, the, with the double pedal. Uh, you know, I, I, I did say I like faster stuff and apparently I predictable, I suppose, if nothing else. <laughs> so, but yeah, with that one, that one was fun. Cause that's where I had the kind of, yeah, you know, going on in the wave channel. So that almost had mm-hmm. a little bit of a industrial or dubstepy sort of sound to it. And then the double pedal, just making it a little bit heavier sounding. But then there's places where you kind of get to breathe a little bit. But the way I think of this song is like, you know, you've only got two songs left on the album, you know, or two levels left maybe in the game. And you're kind of you're on your way. This is where you're like getting your last couple level ups, you know, upgrading your armor and your weapons and stuff. And you're just like you're going for it, you know. So so maybe it's, you know, fighting through hordes of enemies to kind of get to the last boss. But you're, you know, the end is in sight type of thing, right? That's that's where you get that kind right. of excitement where you're like, oh, man, I almost beat the game. You know, I'm so close, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go be the champion or whatever. <laughs> I think it's a very good way of putting it. And, oh, man, like I said, I, this album was just really cool. And because this came out after I bought, I think, the like the bundle of a bunch of things. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is this is great. And that's. Like, you know, you said you, you sent me a message and thanked me and that's how this whole thing started. But I was just like, for buying it, I was just like, this album is great. Like, I, I was like, I just take a swing, see if she wants to talk on the podcast. Why the hell not? I mean, this could be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm glad I agreed to that too. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last one we'll bring up here and then I'll, I'll let you go because I know we're, geez, I'm, I'm, I, I want to say I'm sorry because I'm enjoying this, but it's like, I, I'm sorry for taking nearly two hours of your day doing this. <laughs> um, but um, zero, zero.
How can you not like this thing? It's it's fun as hell, and if somebody is unfamiliar with your stuff, and I want to point them to like kind of what your style is, and get a good sense of what you're going, or what, get a good sense of what it's going to be when they listen to your stuff, I think this would be it. Again, I can't believe you've been doing this only as long as you have, and yeah, I, I listen to this, and I'm just like... She's got her own style, and this this track it like almost like you know just encompasses that very well. And it's a very good like, hey, listen to this. It's it's a lot like um, you know, we were talking about Chibi Tech stuff off the air, and like Moe Moe Kunstep or Love Is Insecurable.
point to those two tracks and you're like, if you like those two tracks, you'll be into Chibi Tech. And like, this is like zero zero for me kind of feels like this is the track. Like if, if for some ungodly reason you don't like it, there's something wrong with you, I think. But (laughs) if you dig it, it is absolutely worth checking out the rest of your catalog for. (laughs) Well, and this one was actually, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, but zero zero is actually the first song that I started when I, um, dug up LSDJ back in April. Um, and that's actually why it's called zero zero and fun little trivia here, but on the artwork for it, there's the two zeros, which kind of look like S's, but, um, that's actually taken right from a screenshot of LSDJ because the very first slot on there is zero zero. And then it's like zero one, zero two, zero three, whatever. Um, but that, that's where it got its name because it was like my track zero or track one that I actually started working on. And, um, I was working on it and then I decided to do, well, then I did the first album and then I, I, I didn't really know what to do with zero zero. Cause I, I had this cool groove going on with the bass and the drums and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do as far as melody goes or like where to take it. It just, I thought it sounded cool, but it, it's like, okay, now what? And I didn't know. So I, I released my first album and then I think this one came out like a week or eight days after or something like that. Cause after I released my first album, I thought, Oh, okay. Now I know what to do with this. And I, I picked it up and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. So, so that was kind of cool. Cause it, it was kind of like before and after my, my debut there. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, another fun thing is one day, um, mega ran <laughs> was doing some DJ practice and he was uh-huh. like, send me your songs. So just for fun, I was like, oh, hey, do you want to play this one? And he actually did. So that that was kind oh, of Oh, cool. no kidding. Yeah. So I saw it just like on his Twitch stream. He played it just for like a few seconds and then he launched into the next thing. But that was really neat to see, you know, him playing my song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's got to be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess this song is kind of like my first. Well, you're kind of asking, I guess, if there was somewhere where it sort of clicked for me. But I mean, I, I don't. I'm still nowhere near any kind of expert with LSDJ, but I feel like now I'm at least proficient in it. But then this was maybe me kind of confirming that I was off to a good start, I guess. So, because I had had my first album under my belt, and then with this one I was able to finish it, and then, you know, I decided to make it, um, like, pay what you want so people could just go get that. And kind of like you said, because at first I was using this as a demo song almost, you know, for, you know, um, for people who I thought might be interested, you know, send me yeah. your music, send me your songs. Like, okay, well, you know, start with this one <laughs> and see if you like it. Yeah, I think this is very much a good entrance point. Um, you, you've definitely shown you've got a breadth of, you know, sounds you're capable of outside of like this, but this is a good like foot in the door. Like, oh, okay, well, I, I kind of dig this. Like, you know, you kind of walk into a party and you gauge if you're into it, and then you go on to the rest, and you're like, oh, wow, there's there's a whole lot going on here. Basically, it's kind of how I feel about zero zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one one thing I want to say is just I know with a lot of chip tune that's out there these days, a lot of people are leaning really heavy into like dance music and stuff. So, which is cool, you know, and it, it sounds really great. And I mean, that that's what got me into it because the person that mm-hmm. I went to see in in April there that that wasn't like a whole lot of melodic stuff for the most part. It was more just kind of you know, you, it had a really strong beat. It, it had like a cool riff, you know, that was catchy and it would just play over and over, you know, and you could dance to it and it was nice. But my inspiration is more from the older games. So, the, you know, I think zero zero, you get a little bit of the melody, but then you also get the kind of power like in, in Norfrost or Wake Up and Fight, like where it has a bit of that energy to it too. 
So yeah. it's like, you know, I kind of want my stuff to be danceable, but also like it's going to get stuck in your head and you could totally, you know, mute your TV and listen to this while you play, you know, whatever classic game you're playing and that it should fit in pretty well. So, Or even just grind Pokemon. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to catch them all or level up those little bastards or just breed and breed and breed, this, uh, there's a lot of good stuff here that you can go on to. Um, so I guess we'll wrap up here uh, because, again, I've been taking up quite a bit of your day by doing this. So uh, can we just give everything as far as like where we can go to get your stuff? I mean, you know, there's there's Patreon, there's Bandcamp. So, yeah. Well, yeah, Bandcamp has all my stuff right now. So it's got... Um... That's my discography. So there are, I'm trying to see. I know Zero Zero is on there, is Pay What You Want. Um, there's also an album I put together called FFCom, which is kind of like friends, family, community, but it sounds more like high tech and cool by FFCom. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that one's kind of like my thank you album. So that that's where you can get six songs. And I added a bunch of ringtones, too, because one day I just felt like trying to make ringtones. Um, oh, okay. So, but that one's also pay what you want. So if you want to get some of my stuff, but you, you don't feel like, um, you know, if you don't want to buy an album or anything like that, you can go and get those. Um, FFCom was like a thank you album because, you know, the community's just been so nice and helpful. And, you know, getting into chiptune, like I didn't really know a lot about it, but everyone was so nice and it, it started out when I hit like 500 Twitter followers. I was like, oh, you know, people care, you know, what I'm doing. So I wanted to, you know, give something back. And then every time I hit a milestone, I'd add something to it. So that that's a, you know, that's one good place to start. Um, you mentioned Patreon. I, I did just start that on um, earlier this month. And I have a launch special going on right now. So let me go into sales mode for a second here. But... Anybody who pledges before the end of this month, I'm sending a special digital thank you pack. There's going to be uh, Game Boy photos in there. I was thinking of putting some kind of music thing in there. I want to do like a Bandcamp code or something, maybe yeah. something brand new because I know a lot of people already have, well, like yourself, I think you've got pretty much everything in my catalog by now. <laughs> so try to come up with something else for that. Um, anybody who pledges $5 or more, I've actually got some postcards that I think turned out pretty well and I'll actually be mailing those out so you can have something in your hands with the Chemic Zeal name on it, which is cool. And then other than that, I mean, I am on Twitter as well. It's probably where I'm most active as far as, you know, chit chatting and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I've got to do my own plugs here, which feels almost, uh, if way more self-serving than that day because oh. <laughs> so, it's like, Hey, let me throw my ad in here too. Um, yeah. you know, I, I do have to wrap up the show, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as usual, uh, you can go onto Twitter and follow the, the podcast at Rowico podcast. That is R O W Y C O podcast. You can follow me at Jason Ariola. You can go support me and all the other podcasts I do at patreon.com slash games and junk. Um, for $5 a month, you get access to basically like early access to these. Like as I get them up and edited, I'll put them on the Patreon feed a little bit sooner than I'll put them up in our normal feed. Uh, you'll get a higher quality audio right over there. You'll get a catch all feed for all of the podcasts we do. That's including multimedia failure 
a chronological exploration of every video game movie ever made where we then rank them against each other arbitrarily. And I have said that way too many times and I'm getting really tired of that spiel. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and also uh, we're bringing the game club back. That'll be starting back up in February. So that is a basically like thinking of a book club, but with video games. So just very long form podcast where we talk about one specific video game. Um, and also rock out with your card out. I'm hoping to get the bonus episodes up and rolling again. Uh, it has just been a little hectic. Uh, I ended up sort of inadvertently taking a month off just because of, um, my real professional uh, responsibilities have sort of taken up a lot of my life and I just haven't had a chance to really sit down and do podcasts. So, but, uh, that will be coming to an end very soon. No, I'm not losing my job or anything, but if, uh, you want to go help your boy out and, uh, go chip in some money over at Patreon, I would appreciate that anyway. <laughs> so... Hopefully this doesn't sound too, uh, let's say, forced in the middle here, because I did forget to add in one more thing that you get for $5 a month over on uh, patreon.com slash gamesandjunk, and that is the shout-out on the show for donations. So I do want to shout-out to Alex Messenger, Benissa Cahill, John Lucero, and Josh Carpenter. Uh, you have heard most of these people, uh, three-quarters of them, on a podcast with me before, so I just want to say thanks, guys, for supporting us, and I am sorry I forgot to shout out, and hopefully this, again, doesn't sound too much of a, like, you know, brake squealing, what the hell is this interjection here? So, anyway, uh, back to my previously recorded closing segment. Uh, but anyway, uh, that'll wrap it up. So, Kimmy, I really want to thank you for coming on. I am so glad, like, we, we, we sort of just hit it off here. We're Game Boy, Pokemon pals. I just, I'm, I, I'm kind of astounded that I just, like, randomly just bought somebody's stuff and was like, oh, hey, well, now, I, yeah, I've got a new friend here. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm friends now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, it's been fun. And, uh, well, as you know, it was my first podcast, so not used to this kind of attention. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I certainly appreciate you reaching out to me and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that, that we both took the time to do this and yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll, uh, collaborate again in the future sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, what? I'm going to throw the invitation out there. You are welcome on board anytime. And if you ever just for whatever reason, want to subject yourself to a video game movie, you're welcome on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so. like a plan. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I don't have a witty uh, closing like I do for uh, uh, multimedia failure. So until next time, thanks for listening, guys. And um, I'll talk to you then. Jeez, oh, I can't come up with an ending for this damn podcast. One of these days it'll happen, right, Kimmy? Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.